There are a million ways to make money in the food service industry. You just have to find one. On the Titans of Food Service podcast, I interview real life movers and shakers in the food game who cut through all the noise to get to the top. My name is Nick Portillo and welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. Let's jump right into it. Welcome back to the Titans of Food Service podcast. Thank you, as always, for joining me on another episode. Please, if you could, it would mean the world to me if you could take a moment after you're done listening to the episode. If you like the episode, if you can give me a five-star review, whether you're on Spotify or Apple Podcast or whatever site you're listening to this podcast on, that would mean a lot to me. Today, I welcome the co-founder and CEO Island Finn Pokey Company, Mark Setterington. We talk all about his journey in the restaurant industry. He has a, a truly incredible journey working within restaurants and he just has a passion for it. And now his newest venture, Island Finn Pokey Company, at this point in time, he has 26 open locations with 65 in total on the way. So let's not waste any time and let's go ahead and welcome Mark. All right, Mark, welcome to the Titans of Food Service podcast. I'm very excited for our conversation today. I've been following you uh, quite a bit on LinkedIn and been really interested in your story and how you started and how you got to where you're at today. So welcome to the Titans of Food Service. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Why don't we start off on kind of the ground level of your career? How did you get into the restaurant industry? Oh, man. Well, in the beginning, geez, that's a long time ago. My, so my first job in high school, I was uh, a dishwasher at an Elias Brothers Big Boy in Cascade, Michigan. Wow. And I, in 30 days, I got promoted to line cook. And I was the only high school kid that this, this franchisee had ever promoted to line cook. So I thought I was pretty freaking cool, right? And I just loved it. You know, I love the people that I worked with. I, you know, the way that big boy kitchens were, you know, they were, you know, kind of, there was that window there so you could see the guests coming in and whatnot. And I love the action. It was cool. Right. So I just, you know, I, I ended up working my way through college in restaurants and then I had, so I had a, a, a job in a restaurant and I had a second job in the cafeteria of the dorm that I lived in because I could knock out a three or four hour breakfast shift before I went to my first class. And, you know, my mission was I was coming out of college debt free. I wasn't going to come out of college and have, you know, a million dollars in student loans. So, you know, I did it. I worked a couple jobs at a time. I mean, I, I could have probably had better grades, but the, the, the toss up was better grades or debt free. And I chose debt free. Sure. Where'd you go to school? Michigan State University. Michigan right. State. Go green. Go green. <laughs> Spartans, right? That's right. All right. So as you're coming out of college, where did you go from there? You know, my degree was in materials and logistics management and purchasing. So many interviews and everybody that I interviewed with was you need experience. You need experience. My question was, how do I get experience if you won't hire me without experience? So there was a restaurant in my hometown called The Ground Round that was hiring an assistant manager. I sent him a resume. I applied for the job and I got it. And 
no looking back. It was, it was very, very foundational for my entire career. Low volume, a million dollars in, in, in volume. And this is a, you know, full service restaurant and we still made money. So it really, really taught me a lot of things that I've carried through my career, even when I was running restaurants that were doing 40 plus million a year. Mm-hmm. What were some of the things that you learned being there? I, I think that uh, the value of waste, meaning at our volume, if you know, if a, a hamburger hit the floor, you know, our food cost spike, right? right? So as I progressed through my career, and I went to, you know, a restaurant that was doing three million, a restaurant that was doing twelve million, etc., I still kept my teams focused on waste. So I've, you know, constantly run the best food cost in a company. And it's because, you know, you have to look at things like everything matters at the ground round. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very particular about curb appeal. Okay. And at the ground round, it was super weird. You know I mean? I just, I, I, you go to a restaurant and you see the black racing stripes walking out the front door, right? From the greasy floors. I can't deal with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, at the ground round, if I wanted pressure washing done, I, I was the pressure washer. I would come in on my day off, bring the pressure washer, and I would do the sidewalks myself. You know, when, when you work for big companies, you can afford to spend, like even at, at, at my, the company Island Finn, I have a guy scheduled every six weeks. And he knows every six weeks, I'm not calling you, show up. We have, we have a, it's a beautiful building with a gigantic patio. I show up every six weeks, pressure wash my patio, send me an invoice, you'll be paid immediately. And, and, and it just works. But that's what, you know, I don't have the time to do it myself right now. But in mm-hmm. the beginning, we did things ourselves. Yeah, you know, I'm a food service broker and we represent different manufacturers throughout California and Nevada. And a big part of what we do is working with chefs or general managers or owners within restaurants and, you know, we spend a lot of time in kitchens. There's been kitchens that we go into where, you know, you could probably eat off the floor. It's that clean. Uh, and then there's other places that you're a little afraid to just walk on it with shoes. Uh, so I really appreciate that. I know that resonates a lot with patrons that come in too. People want to come into a place that's clean. And one, one area I always look at is the bathroom. And I find that if the bathroom looks like a disaster, the kitchen more than likely it looks like a disaster as well. Facts. That's a, <laughs> that's a fact. So from ground round, where did you go from there? What was kind of your next step in your, in your progression? Applebee's. All right. And, and, and people are like, oh, Applebee's. Well, I was at Applebee's a long time ago when Applebee's was cool, right? And Applebee's really was the neighborhood bar and grill. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I started with Applebee's, there were three restaurants in Michigan, three Applebee's in, in, in the entire state. Oh, three in, in the whole state or just in the total chain of restaurants? In, in the state of Michigan. Okay. Gotcha. And, na- and now there's probably 30. Wow. Right. But what I really liked about, I've taken something from everywhere. Right. What I really liked about Applebee's was the systems, methods, and procedures. Okay. Right. I also liked the fact that they tied 
every location to the community, right? They always had that wall that had memorabilia from the high school, memorabilia from the local fire station. And I thought that that was super, it was key, right? right? And what we do with Island Fan is the franchisees that are, are successful are really, really invested in their community. So, for instance, I'm in Nashville this week. We're opening a new location. And all week long, people have come in. We open on Monday. Today's third Friday. Oh, my Lord. It's a wow. been, congratulations. Been and uh, thank you. But every day someone has come in and said, oh, I met Scott and Tammy in February when they were doing local store marketing. Oh, I met Scott and Tammy in March. So Scott and Tammy opened the restaurant and already had a foundation of people that wanted to support them because they already had built relationships with them. Mm. Right. We're not, we're not Chick-fil-A. We're not Chipotle. We're not a, you know, you build your building, you open your doors and you're busy. Right. right. We have to work for it, but it's also very satisfying. Right. Having those relationships with the people in your community. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. I love that. I don't know if you've ever been in a Trader Joe's. <laughs> yes. In Trader Joe's and at least the ones here in California, all the ones I've gone in, you know, up above, they have murals essentially of that local city that they're in. So any historical events that have happened or, you know, significant sites within that city, it's, it's there inside the Trader Joe's. And so it makes a massive company, you know, more localized, which is... It, it's really cool. I kind of like it. And every time I go in there, you know, my wife, she's she's got her list of stuff that she's going after on the shelves. But I like just looking up and seeing what they have. We have a... I'm actually looking at a Trader Joe's right now. We're oh, in a, really? We're, we're in a Trader Joe's plaza. And you want to talk about community. We get probably 10 to 15 team members from Trader Joe's every day. Right? Wow. We got team members from Trader Joe's that have eaten here Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. good company. And they, I don't know what it is. They hire, uh, you know, the, the, the kids they hire have, you know, personality and, you know, talk to people and engage. It feels like you're walking into a mom and pop, like you said, a little grocer that's from that town. That's right. So. That's right. Yeah, their culture is, is just incredible, what they've been able to build. You mentioned systems and processes when you're at Al Applebee's. Can you maybe expand on that a little bit? What was it that, was, that really caught your attention with what they had in place? I think everything. I think from, you know, simple things like prep lists and order guides and checklists and... You know, when you're, when, you're, when you're in it like that, you're like, I'm way too good for this, right? I, I don't need to be managed by a checklist, right? And then you think back on it, you're like, man, it, it makes you focused or detail-oriented when you're following these checklists. And when we started Island Finn six and a half years ago, we were just going to have a couple of restaurants and work with our kids. And even 
just thinking we were going to have a couple of restaurants and work with our kids before we opened we had prep lists and we had order guides and we had opening checklists and mid checklists and closing checklists and weekly deep cleaning list etc 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 so i remember the first health department audit we got it at the first island fin and you know the guy came in and he laughed and he's like you've worked for darden before having that and we're like well yes we have and he's like i can tell by the checklist and it's big companies do it for consistency right but i think that it also you know it helps your people be better not everybody can focus on the details every day they get hung up in whatever johnny called in sick now what am i going to do well you still have to do an opening checklist to make sure you get open right that's right yeah you know systems and processes uh checklists are very important for a business. As my company, you know, we started with just, it was just my dad and I when we started. And, you know, it was small. It was, the communication was very high. He, he sat across from me in our office. Uh, but as we started to expand and we got over just over 20 employees, we found that we had to have standard operating procedures built within our company. Because uh, now we're spread out all throughout California and Nevada. And, you know, your, your communication starts to slow a little bit as you get bigger. Um, and so you have to have those, those kind of guardrails in place so people know how to, to do every step of you know, what's asked of them within their position. So that totally makes sense. And you know what? what? Every Applebee's I've ever gone to, whether it's in California or Texas or wherever it may be, they all seem the same. The menu is the same. The service is the same. Uh, even the physical building looks the same. So yeah, I, I can totally pick up what you're, what you're putting down there for, with that for sure. So why don't we talk a little bit about Island Fend? How did that come about? Where did you get the idea? Maybe some background on that. So I, I lived 11 years in uh, Las Vegas. And oh, when really? I went to Las Vegas, I was the general manager of um, Margaritaville on the Strip. Mm-hmm. So during my course of working at Margaritaville, I spent nine weeks over the course of a year uh, helping support the opening of Jimmy Buffett's at the Beachcomber. So that's where I fell in love with the culture of Hawaii. But the whole time I was out there, I never ate pokey. Not one time. My last job in Vegas, I had five restaurants in Nevada, five restaurants in Las Vegas, and five restaurants in Southern California. I was spread from El Segundo to San Clemente. And I mean, you live in California. That's right. Back, yeah, I do. You, you know that Pokey was on every corner. Everywhere. Every corner. So that's where I actually had my first Pokey Bowl and thought, God dang, man, this is easy. Yeah. Right? No kitchen. We don't have kitchens. My buddy Paul called me, texted me, and said, hey, I quit my job of 20 years. <laughs> he was with Bahama Breeze for 20 years. I quit my okay. job of 20 years. What are we going to do? And I was like, oh, shit, right? (laughs) So Paul flew out to LA and I took him to all the pokey places I loved and all the pokey places I didn't like Mm -hmm. because I think you need to see both sides. And, you know, this this is what came out of it, you know? So. Wow. Yeah. 
Is going back to your time um, at Margaritaville, what was that experience like working on the Strip in Las Vegas? Let's just say I got my PhD at uh, Margaritaville. Margaritaville was super cool. Three floors, 27,000 square feet. I had 30-plus managers, 400-plus team members with about 85% of them being union. It was a partnership with... Uh, Caesars. Mm-hmm. So I had a very, it's where I learned how to be diplomatic because it was uh, the re- reporting relationship was weird. I reported to the president of Margaritaville, but I also reported to the president of the Flamingo Casino. So I had to, you know, I had to serve two masters whose objectives we're not always aligned. So, but it was spectacular. I mean, you know, 40 plus million dollars in volume. I mean, I was running a small country. Is that one location too? Oh yeah. yeah. Wow. Six, six bars, over 3000 square feet in retail space, uh, two full kitchens. It was awesome. And, you know, I made some, some incredible friends you know, with people I'm still friends with today. I mean, they're just, it was, it was spectacular. And it was, come on, man. It was the strip in Las Vegas. I saw things I've never seen before. I, I mean, was, was, was going to say, I'm sure you've seen some things working there. Oh, it was um, amazing. I mean, New Year's Eve was, you know, when they block off the entire strip and they turned the, uh, the loading dock at the Flamingo basically into a police substation. And, you know, the police did not screw around. So you, you ended up connecting with your friend Paul and put together this idea of Island Fin. Where was your first location and what was kind of the, the starting point for you uh, for you guys on your journey? Uh, first location was Winter Springs, Florida. We, you know, it was time to get out of Vegas. You know, my daughters were at the age where it was either, you know, get them out of Vegas or they ended up being Vegas showgirls. So I decided to get them out of Vegas. And so Winter Springs it was. And, you know, Paul lived about two miles one way from the restaurant. I lived, shoot, a little over a mile, mile and a half the other way. So we were really invested in the community. That's what made that restaurant, you know, really, really great. You know, it's the difference in where it is now and where it was because we really owned the neighborhood. We were involved with, you know, everybody at Lake Howell High School knew you know, the Island Fin guys, because we, we advertise, we took goals, our kids went there. So when you started, or what about current day? How many locations are you up to? Nashville. We just opened Nashville on Monday. That's 26. Wow. We have uh, 65 sold. We'll open eight more this year. When you started in Winter Springs, Florida with your first location, did you expect to get up to 65 locations in the future? No, we weren't planning on franchising. Yeah. We were just planning on having two or three restaurants of our own and, you know, being bums, going to the beach and going golfing. And so. What made you want to, what made you want to expand? I think uh, the reaction from the community, the reaction from people to our food and the way we take care of people. We don't have trash cans in the dining room. We're, we're set up Chipotle style. And when you go down the line and build your bowl, 
we carry your food out to the table, right? We pre-bus your table. We refill your drinks. If you don't order a drink, our kids are trained to bring you a cup of water, right? Because you're not going to eat your, eat your meal without something to, to drink. That's Every right. guest that comes in gets a dull soft serve sample. So we really do give a full service experience. We treat you like you're a guest in our home. What about franchising? How do you, maybe kind of some basics of how you figured out how to do that and what's kind of the starting point to put yourself and your concept out there to become a franchise? We, we had a company reach out and you know they, they said, hey, like your concept, have you ever thought about franchising? Whatever. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. Uh, whatever. So we talked to him and, you know, it sounded like the best way to get Island Finn, you know, across the country so everyone could taste our food and experience our service. So we did it. And who are the people that are buying uh, the, you know, franchises from you? I mean, it's a wide variety. I mean, you've got, you know, we only have one franchisee that has restaurant experience. Wow. You know, like the people, the couple I'm with in uh, Nashville right now, Tammy has a PhD in uh, organizational development and psychology, you know, and, you know, Scott's in, in, in those kind of lines as well. And they, I mean, they looked at franchise after franchise after franchise and did not want food and whatever. And, you know, they found us, they went through the process with Cliff, came down and met us and you know fell in love with with the concept so it's there's no demographic it's it's very strange but yeah. the brand resonates with a lot of people that understand or just have hospitality in them and how many states are you do you have locations in or will have locations in oh man i i, I don't know why i don't know this off the top of my head i mean we're from right now we're from worcester massachusetts to Salt Lake City. We'll open in Sacramento this year. We have, we'll open in Gilbert, Arizona this year, Westminster, Colorado. By the end of this year, we'll have 35 restaurants and we'll be in probably 18 states. I mean, that's, that is incredible. When you go into a new area, I'm just curious, what is usually the reception? You know, Let's say Sacramento, where people may not know about Island Finn. What, what's kind of their reaction to new, uh, you know, your new location? Uh, well, if Nashville, Nashville, we're in Nashville this week and it's been, you know, just blown out of the water. And a lot of it has to do with how the franchisees do their pre-opening marketing. Mm-hmm. So the new thing we're doing is we're, you know, our company InnoVision, our branding agency does, they also they they we're doing digital, so we're peppering the community with digital, but it's also a requirement of the franchisees to pass out five thousand rat cards to build mm-hmm. a Facebook following, and because what that does is it starts to build community, that's and right. that's what we need. That's what we we live and breathe by. It's not open the doors and you're busy. You have sure. to have people have to be emotionally invested in the fact that Tammy and Scott are locals, they're opening this restaurant, their family's involved, whatever, whatever. 
And I mean, I've heard it all week from people that are coming in. You can see it in the Google reviews, Tammy and Scott, Tammy and Scott, family, the food is great. So our food is great. I'm the, sure. The, the, the difference maker is the teams. Mm-hmm. So the franchisees and the franchisees that, that get that hospitality piece are successful. Yeah. How do you keep consistency across all of your locations from Massachusetts to Sacramento? We use uh, a company called Ace Mystery Shop. Ace so Mystery do, Shop? Yep. So we do, mystery, we do mystery shops in our restaurants. We do audits. The, our you know, VP of Operations, Steve, will visit every restaurant twice a year. And the restaurants have to turn into Steve's self-audits once a month. And then Steve audits them when he goes into the restaurant as kind of a, you know, a gut check. And then we, you know, I mean, I can see if the food's being, if, it, if the appearance is right, because so much of our food makes social media. So, and then, you know, I have people that are looking at the reviews every day and, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, the reviews aren't, you know, the, the gospel, but if you start to see consistent comments in the reviews, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's something mm-hmm. to be said there. That's so, right. What is this Ace Mystery Shop? What do they do? They're a company that uh, has people that will go into your restaurant and, and grade them. So mm-hmm. we, we came up with the form, and it's all about, you know, island, the Island Finn experience, mm-hmm. right? You know, the most important question on it, you know, there's a lot of tasks you have to hit, right? But the most important question on it to me is the intent to return question, right? Because the fact is, you know, if your food is okay, but your service is over the top, people will come back. Mm -hmm. If your food is great, but your service is only okay, it's a little bit more difficult. They're not going to come in as often, right? And it's it's tough to get people to understand that. Yeah, that makes sense. And they, you know, they take pictures of their bowls. They take pictures of their dole soft serve. They take pictures of the team members so we can see that, you know, they're wearing the proper uniform and, and whatnot. And then there's just, there's self-responsibility for the franchise owners. Do mm-hmm. you want to be successful or don't you? Right? Do you ever get celebrities that go into your locations and take pictures and put it on social media? Uh, John Cena. Yeah. Lit- has a place close to our Wesley Chapel location and he goes in there quite often. Nice. And then a couple of years ago, uh, I have a picture that, you know, um, Ronda Rousey came in. She wow. was training at a gym across the street from winter Springs. And she actually came in two days in a row. And the first day I was just like, I mean, Paul and I were like, we were starstruck. I mean, it's like, <laughs> holy crap. Right. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't know why, because, you know, celebrities came into Margaritaville all the yeah. time. Yeah. But it was like, holy crap, man, it's Ronda Rousey. That's right. So the second day we came in and, you know, we fanboyed it. We went up to her and asked if we could get a picture and she took a picture with us. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That would be, you had, know what? I, it I had totally to be get done. It. it had to be done. It had to be done. You know, I, I, I do follow the UFC and. I, 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 I would be very starstruck if I were to see Ronda Rousey, uh, especially into your own restaurant that you own. That's pretty special. Yeah, and it, it's, it's funny because she's so little. And Is you she just really? know, yeah. 
and you just know she could kill you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so in present day, what does your daily life look like? And what does Paul's daily life look like? What are your two kind of roles every day? So uh, Paul's gone. Paul hasn't been part of the operation since 2020. Okay. So still a shareholder, uh, still, you know, one of the founders, but he doesn't have anything to do with the operation. My day-to-day, I mean, I, I, I'm running everything. You know, Steve takes care of the open franchises and, you know, helping them with planning for their business, financial, all of that stuff. And so basically, I own the franchisees until they're open. Mm-hmm. My job is to build the company as a whole. I work with the branding agency, with my marketing manager. I work with operational stuff with the operations team, you know, pretty much everything. We only have, you know, our, our corporate office is five people. We have a vice president of operations, Steve, marketing manager, Morgan, training manager, Taylor, and uh, then Zoe is operations support. And she's, you know, everything operations, POS, app, whatever. And then me. So we're, we're lean. What about when you go from 26 and you have now 65 open in the future? How will, how do you think your role will change? Uh, I, I won't spend nine days at openings. I'll, you know, I'll pop into the opening for, you know, the grand opening day. And then, then I'm out, you know, my time will be spent, you know, building the company and strategizing, but we're not there yet. I do, you know, like manufacturing companies do just-in-time purchasing for raw materials. I do just-in-time hiring. Mm-hmm. So we're debt-free as a company. Wow. We're, royal, we're royalty self-sustaining right now. So, you know, as, I, as we make money, I spend the money. And I spend the money on more marketing. I, you know, hiring Steve was a big boy move. Um, we know that when we hit 35, I'm going to hire a, a franchise business coach for the West Coast that will take care of Houston, Arizona, the Nevada restaurant, Salt Lake City, Denver, and California. Because it's, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's tough. Our yeah. branding agency is in San Diego. And, you know, one of my favorite things is, well, they're in San Diego. When what that means is, I mean, I'm, I, all my work is on my phone, right? So, the fact is, they, they work until 6 o'clock, so that means they're working until 9 o'clock my time. Mm-hmm. That's right. But the greatest thing about them is if I send an email at 8 o'clock in the morning, someone responds, right? Mm-hmm. So I really have access to InnoVision from 8 o'clock in the morning until I go to bed. And yeah. it's, they're, they're, they're nuts, you know, in a good way because... <laughs> You know, I send emails as things come into my head or I forget it. So if I send InnoVision an email at 3 o'clock on Saturday, basically I'm sending it as a placeholder for Monday morning, mm-hmm. right? Let's get at this Monday morning. I'll send something at 3 o'clock. I'll send a picture of something I see that I think is like super cool. And I can almost guarantee you that Emma... Giselle and Rick will respond, right? That's customer it's like, service. It's like, God dang, man. It, uh, I don't want to stop sending emails because then I forget stuff. But, you know, I don't want them responding on the weekend, but that's just 
It's who they are. And yeah. they love, love our brand. And it's just great to have partners that are so invested emotionally in your brand. Yeah, I totally get that. Uh, you, you know, with vendors that my company works with, you're right. When, when you feel like they're part of the team, that they're very engaged, like you're just perception of them and usually their quality of work is far greater than somebody if oh, well, I can't find this person or they don't really respond very often. So I totally understand that. On your island fin journey, what is have you had any a, a big failure or a big setback that you had to overcome? Yeah, I mean I, I think that we lost two restaurants during the pandemic. Okay. You know, they opened and closed over the course of the pandemic. And really, it's, it's, we're, at, we're at 26 restaurants open, but we've really opened 30. So we've lost four and five. We lost five. And when we lose a restaurant, I take it very personally, mm-hmm. you know, and I have, to, I have to really reflect on, you know, what went wrong. Was it the brand? Was it? process was it you know i i i I overthink and i take every time we slip up i take personally and you know i have to balance that out with looking at people like you know jim way in worcester who's our busiest restaurant and you know guys like jeff garrity in sarasota who are just killing it right and i have to think about what are they doing why are they doing what they're doing but we had to close a restaurant in Longwood. What's the difference? Yeah. So those are the those are the things. It's never, it's not the food. If you're following service, it's not the service. You know, it's a myriad of reasons. And, you know, those are the things that sit heavy with me. And I believe you mentioned some of your franchisees, they may not have had restaurant experience in the past. Could you maybe talk about that a little bit? What is that experience like for them jumping into the restaurant business? Well, it's really not incredibly difficult if they're able to, you know, curveballs, right? You know, Bobby called in sick, what do I do or whatever? Because we're not a real restaurant. We're not cooking, right? We don't have cooking equipment in the restaurant. So, and uh, stuff like that. But the, the other thing is, they have to understand that restaurants are work, right? It's not a nine to five, mm-hmm. right? If something happens at eight o'clock at night, your team members need to have access to you. That's right. Unless, unless you've hired a manager. So the company stores in Lake Nona. Lake Nona, I have a, I have a, a professional manager. And Melena's job is running Lake Nona. I, you know, I've been in Nashville since last Wednesday. I don't think about, you know, I've talked to Melena, but... If someone calls in sick, food orders, anything to deal with the operation, Melina handles, and if she needs me, she calls me. Mm-hmm. So that's what they have to understand. But it's always, always, always going to be work. Yeah, that makes sense. For those who are listening who would one day maybe like to be a franchisee or start their own restaurant in some capacity, what would be maybe some advice you, that you would give to them? Well, the first thing is don't expect immediate gratification. That's just not how it works. You have to, you know, 
when you first, when you build a house, the first thing you do is lay a foundation, right? And if your foundation isn't isn't strong, your house crumbles. So you have to you have to build the foundation, and everything you do first is is doing that. And you know the second thing is you have to uh, do what you're passionate about, right? So mm -hmm. if you're not passionate about pizza, don't open a pizza restaurant, right? <laughs> if you're not if you're not passionate about hospitality, don't open an island then. Yeah. Because hospitality is, you know, one A and one B, you know, of the most important things in our restaurant. Mm-hmm. What is it about hospitality and the restaurant business? You know, you've done it your whole career. What is it that you love about it so much? People have a lot of options, right? And every time someone walks into the front door of my restaurant, I feel grateful that they chose my restaurant, right? Mm -hmm. So I also feel an obligation to deliver what they expect. Right, I hate going to restaurants right now. Hate going to restaurants right now that have tablets at the end of the table to reorder drinks, to order appetizers, mm -hmm. to pay your tab. I absolutely hate it. Right, because if that's the case, I might as well just hit up the drive-through. <laughs> so we stop at Starbucks every morning, and we don't go through the drive-through. We park the truck. We go in and because we have a relationship with the team, mm -hmm. Jamal and, and Kevin and Julia, you know, all of our, our people. I mean, we take them Christmas presents before we came to Nashville, uh, Julia graduated from ASU. So yeah. we made sure that on Sunday when we went in for our coffee, we took our graduation card and the gift card, right? Their family, their, mm -hmm. you know, relationship. And that's what I expect from the franchisees and because they're guests in your home, right? And, mm -hmm. I, and that's just, that's just, it's important to me, right? Yeah. They're choosing to spend their hard-earned money. I have to give them a value. And it's not just the food. It's also how we take care of them. When you look back on your career, your time at Island Finn, would you have done anything differently? I don't know if I'd have franchised as soon as I franchised. Mm -hmm. I would have set more clear roles and responsibilities with Paul. You mm -hmm. know, the Paul Paul thing is, uh, you know, that's a, uh, you know, I would, I'd like a do-over there. I know now what I'm looking for in franchisees, mm -hmm. right? And I know, every, I'm sure that, every company goes through it right right you know they wish that they could you know sell their first 30 and then have a do-over and it's not about the first 30 it's about you know differing skill sets and personalities and you know once you get you know 20 restaurants open you can look at what makes a franchisee successful and start recruiting that way we're going to start doing a, a strengths finder uh testing you know when we do our our franchise 
um, conference this this fall in uh, in that fall in August. All the current franchisees are going to take the strength the strength finders assessment, mm-hmm. and we're going to you know teach them how to read it. And then Steve is going to use this assessment in his management of the franchisees, and we're going to use this assessment as we move forward with with choosing franchisees. It's not going to be the the yeah. the 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 one thing, right? But it's also it's going to be one piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. when it comes time to choose so that we can be successful for all of our franchisees. Sure. What's the name of the assessment? Strength Finders. Oh, it's called Strength Finders. Yep. yep. I like it. And it, it's actually, uh, you know, Tammy, our Nashville franchisee, is going to, you know, teach a segment on it at the conference. She's actually got a book deal and she's writing a book. All right. And, and this Strength Finders is part of it. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. As, as we grow, we're going to use the talent that's on our team. It's family. Yeah. And yeah. Everybody, sh- everybody should want to help us to grow and get better. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of this. We have a lot of franchisees that do. Sure. And Mark, what advice would you give to a smart, driven, young person, you know, maybe coming out of school? What advice would you give to that person? The most important thing you can do is network and find some people that you can build relationships with that are willing to share with you and not just successes, right? I mean, I will spend days talking to you about all the places I've gone wrong in my career, Mm -hmm. right? But the best thing that you can do is find people that care enough about you to, to be honest and upfront, right? About what went wrong and how they would change it so that you don't make the same mistakes. And that's what it comes to, right? You're going to make your own mistakes. Don't make the same ones that I made. Looking far into the future when you're all said and done and you reflect back on your career, what is something that you want to be remembered for? Just touching people's lives. You know, I had a, a, a woman that worked for me in Las Vegas, lives in Knoxville. Knoxville is three hours from Nashville. And she showed up in this restaurant yesterday with her kids. And, you know, I thought it was great, you know, that Dana thought enough of me, you know, as a, as a mentor to make a three-hour drive to spend, you know, an hour and a half visiting with me and the girls, my, mm-hmm. my kids. To, and, and I just think that's important, you know, to have impact in people's lives. Yeah, I love that. Well, Mark, I want to say thank you for joining me here on the Titans of Food Service podcast. I really enjoyed learning more about your story. And I know there there will be a lot of people who are listening that resonate with your story. So just thank you very much for taking time to meet with me. Oh, I love it. This was fun. Good. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can meet in person one day. And I'd love to, especially when you get one uh, Island Fin up in Sacramento, I'd love to try it out. Oh, awesome. Can't wait. All right. Thank you, Mark. Have have a great day. You too.